everybody. Welcome to the Good Evening Kitties podcast, a Tales from the Crip Review. My name is Melissa, your ghostess with the mostest, and today's episode is Season 7, Episode 1, Fatal Caper. Season 7 moved to the UK. It's a whole new collection of actors and locations and things, and that's basically the reason why that happened from what I can gather. Uh, it was more like after six seasons of Tales from the Crypt, they kind of used up all of California's actors and filmmakers and they want to kind of mix it up a bit. So for the final season, the production moved to Ealing Studios in West London. So Gil Adler, who is the producer, endorsed the switch uh, to change this to get like new actors and locations and things utilized for the episodes and they kind of try to put a little different spin on it. This is the final season of Tales from the Crypt, but yeah, so there's a couple, like most of the actors in seventh season are going to be British. <laughs> so because of that, I thought this would be a good time to try a traditional English tea. I've never had one before, like a milky tea, and I've talked about it throughout some of the other episodes and stuff, and I thought it'd be a good time to try it. So I found a recipe online, fairly specific way on how to make it. And so I have it here with me. I haven't tried it yet. So I have this like English milky tea. I have it in my horror movie mug, and I'm going to go ahead here and try like a traditional English tea. So here we go. It's not bad. I mean, it tastes like tea because I got like an English breakfast in there. And so it's, it's got an interesting aftertaste. I think it might be the milk I put in it. I'm not used to having milk in like a tea. So, and then I put some sugar in it too. Like it said to like sugar to taste, but it's not bad. I can see it'd be a good one to have like with breakfast or something possibly. It's almost like a coffee, but not quite. I can see how it'd be good with like a scone or something, you know? So we are in UK. So exciting. Last season, guys, season seven. Let's do this. Let's talk about it. There's a lot to talk about with this episode. Season 7, Episode 1, Fatal Caper. They really come out swinging in this episode. This one has a lot of twists and turns, and it's pretty involved, and so let's get into it. I'm excited. As always, John Kassir does the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and Danny Elfman does the theme song. This episode was directed by Bob Hoskins. So you would know him from movies like Hook or Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So he directs and has a small part in this episode. Fatal Caper aired April 19th, 1996. The screenplay is by Gilbert Adler and A.L. Katz and Coleman Decay. Besides Bob Hoskins, it also stars Natasha Richardson from the movies like The Parent Trapped, Rest in Peace. It was great to see her in this. Uh, it also has Greg Wise from TV's The Crown, Leslie Phillips from TV's Revolver, and James Saxon from TV's McCollum. I'm going to go ahead here and read the description on the back of the box for Fatal Caper. Where there's a will... There are ways. A nobleman's will sparks malevolent moves and counter moves. Ooh, this one's about greed, guys. Greed and family. So the episode opens up with they're pulling back on the image of the UK, particularly Big Ben. So you got Big Ben, the clock, and like the building, and then you have the guards on horseback, and you know, it's it's really sticking into like, hey, we're in a different location. Either it's implied that it's under the bridge, deep in the ground, or under Big Ben, but the Crypt Keeper has also traveled, which I thought was kind of fun, because it's like, he traveled too, I guess he's under Big Ben or the London Bridge or whatever, but he's there with a, he's down in his crypt, and he's like talking about his travels, and he's unpacking, and he's got this little suitcase that has dry ice in it for some reason, and he's got like a London travel guide, and a book about castles, and he's pulling uh, like a severed hand and things out of it and he's unpacking, and he's excited to be in this new country. Greetings, travel fiends. It's so exciting being here in London. 
I'm already feeling right at tune. Care to join me for a little sightseeing? Or maybe we could find a nice pub and tuck into some authentic flesh and chips. <laughs> or we could go check out my English scaritage. I bet you didn't know your pal, the Crypt Keeper, was one of the crown ghouls, did you creeps? So he brings in the episode for season seven, episode one, Fatal Caper. Let's do this. Hang on, I'm gonna take a, another little quick sip of my tea here. Yeah, the sugar helps. I'd say the sugar helps. They're bringing in the credits and they're showing like different statues and everything. And it's like a really big like mansion-y castle location. I imagine it was probably really exciting because there are a lot of different locations and things they could do with this. And so it opens up focusing in on Mycroft Amberson. That's his name. That's played by Leslie Phillips. He's on this like four poster, well, kind of four poster type bed. He's pretty old, probably, you know, 70s. He's sitting there and he's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? As a small pistol gets put up against his head. The gun's up against his head and then they cut to outside the building and you just see like a, a flashbang. So he was killed. Shot right through the frontal lobe or whatever of his head on top of his four poster bed there. Gus, is this episode too exciting for you? Gus is here. Go lay down. I know. So exciting. So then it cuts to, they don't really say, oh, you know, a few days earlier, a few weeks earlier. It's, it's just like implied we're going in the past. Because when Bob Hoskins' character, uh, Redman, and Mycroft Amberson come down the stairs, you're like, oh, he's still here. It's obviously like we're going back. So they're coming down the stairs and they're talking. I think Redman's kind of like his right-hand man kind of thing, like helps him with the estate. And it's a pretty big mansion type situation. And he's basically, Mycroft is basically just disappointed in his sons. He has three sons. Justin, Frank, and Evelyn. It says Evelyn like it's spelled like E-V-E-L-Y-N, but it sounded more like they said Evelyn in the episode, so I'm not sure. He's disappointed in his sons, how he raised them. They don't work. You know, they're greedy. He doesn't approve of anything that they do. So this is an episode where it's similar to like Strung Along, which is another episode from a couple seasons ago where it's like, he has a severe heart condition or like a really tricky ticker. So we're going with that. And it's, you know, they very much imply that it's genetic and all this stuff. So he's got a bad heart and he wants to change his will up before he goes because he knows it probably won't be long. He isn't well. So Bob Hoskins is helping him arrange like a executor of his estate to talk to him to kind of change a few things in the will so that he can hand over some different stuff, like take away a few things from his sons and like change his will and testament. So Bob Hoskins' character, Redmond, is like, okay, well, I got you one the best of the best. And it shoots down into the library, like they're on top of this uh, balcony. And it shoots down, and there is the wonderful Natasha Richardson. She is playing Fiona Havisham. She is the executor or whatever of the will, putting stuff together for him. She looks great. She's down here, and she's like, hey, what up? So they're all three talking in this very elaborate, like, I guess just library. It's a really big table. There's, like, a big fireplace, and... He's basically telling her, he's like, I want to change my will. He wants to get things in order. He's very disappointed in his sons. And she's like, great, you know, keep going. Tell me about your sons. So it kind of does like a quick catch up on everybody in the family. You want to change your will. Why? As I'm sure Redmond has already told you, Miss Havisham, my life's in a bit of a muddle just now. I'm not well. No, weak hearts. <laughs> running the family with the time I've got left I I want to get things in order please do go on well I 
I got three sons, you know, about 15 years ago. One of them left. Come on. I don't want your salt in my house. Come on, get out. Get out! Frank, he was called. Haven't heard from him since. It just shows uh, Mycroft opening a door and then just a random guy picking up a suitcase and leaving. And, it, and he says something like, I didn't approve of his ways or like we didn't approve of his ways or how he was. And then later it's implied he was sensitive. So for me, I was like, okay, well, it's something to do maybe with like an LGBT type situation or something, you know, where like he was maybe more feminine than they wanted. So he's like, I haven't spoken to him in 15 years. And I'm starting to see that maybe he was the smart one for getting out of here because he's super disappointed in his other two sons as well. So he's like, good on Frank for getting out of there. So his next son is Justin. And Justin is this like skinny, kind of like hippie dude. He's really into tantric sex. At first I was like, okay, like he doesn't work. He's living at home in this mansion and he's back to back I guess naked with this other woman and they're doing this like tantric breathing and he's just like really in touch with everything with his like sexual pleasure and things like that. So that's all he really cares about. And he's probably like late 20s or something. So then his other son, Evelyn, is still like also still living there and he's very greedy. He's a little bit more overweight and it shows him just like going through checks, I guess they're paying for like their staff there and he's taking some of their money from like their Christmas bonus or whatever, like taking money from them. And he's just really greedy with everything he does, food, which they imply later when he gets this huge plate of food and money and things like that. And he's just kind of slovenly a little bit, and just really greedy. He's really into these, uh, this money. And so <laughs> Mycroft's like, I'm going to die soon. I obviously realize that now I've raised a bunch of monsters. And I was like, okay, well, this is going to be a little tricky. So you're going to have to sit down with your sons and tell them that you're changing everything. So they get the sons together. They sit them down. They're like having tea and everything. And let me take another sip of tea. Yeah, okay. And uh, so they get the sons together in that same room. And now there's a fire going. So it's been some time. Evelyn's like pacing in front of the fireplace. And then the other son is like curled up on a, like a chair and reading another book on like Tantra or something. I was like, that's like all he's into. In order for the other two brothers to get their, what they want, they have to locate their younger brother within six months of their father dying. I guess it's because, like, I think Mycroft feels bad about disowning Frank and sending him away, so he's hoping if they find him, he'll at least get part of the inheritance, you know, kind of like a, I'm sorry in a way. The other two brothers are like, what? We've been here this whole time. Nobody's heard from Frank in 15 years. Evelyn's like, what if you had to spend all this money to find him and we just can't? And so if they don't find him, it'll all go to charity. Evelyn's losing it. He's like, what? It's all going to go to charity? What? Justin's not too worried. I think he, he mostly wants to have the title, which I think his dad's like, you can have the title. It's fine. He uses the title to get women. That's really all he cares about. What exactly does the new will say? It says quite simply that the two of you must locate your younger brother within six months of your father's demise if you were to receive your inheritance. What? Nobody's heard from Frank in 15 years. What if we can't find him? Then it all goes to charity. The house, the money, everything. Charity? And, uh, the title? Oh, well, the title's yours. You're the eldest. You can't exactly give it away. Oh. Well, that's not so bad. Righty-ho, then. Everyone gets what they deserve. You get titled. You get dead. And I get nothing. Well, maybe that's what you deserve. Shut up! 
So Evelyn's just really mad because he's not getting, if he doesn't find his brother after his dad dies, he's not going to get anything. And then his brother, his other brother is going to get a title. Evelyn and Justin are fighting and yelling and Mycroft is just like getting worked up and he's like, stop it. Stop fighting. I just wanted to bring you guys together and not give you a reason to, to fight, which I was like, okay, you kind of were probably going that way anyway, either way. But so then the dad has this kind of comical heart attack and he leans into the chair where Justin's sitting and it's kind of funny because they just both can't be bothered that he's having a heart attack. Justin's looking at him like, ew, like don't touch me. <laughs> and he just like falls into the chair. Like I think they think he's faking it. And Natasha Richardson's character is like, oh my gosh, call an ambulance. And they're like, he's faking it. And then it cut, what's funny, it's like, he's faking it. And then it cuts to a, like a pr- processional. So they got the priest and like people were carrying the casket. They're all walking. Even Miss Havisham's there. They're just like, yeah, he's dead. This is crazy. You know, and they're just like talking and Bob Hoskins' character feels bad and everything. And Evelyn's there, but Justin isn't at the funeral. He's like, Justin doesn't like funerals. He's inside grieving. You're like, okay, so, oh no, he's inside meditating. So then they cut up to Justin in the, his bedroom meditating. And all he's doing is just, he's just getting sexual uh, stuff from a maid that works there. So that's what he's doing. He's, uh, and he's crying. It's really creepy. It's for like a split second, but it's kind of weird. He's got the title now, I guess, because his dad died. So he's up there and he's sitting on his bed. And they don't really, it's not like super graphic. He's sitting on his bed and he's got like a king wrap thing on. And then the crown is on her head. And she's basically giving him oral sex. And he's crying. And like, that's how he's grieving for this. And he's all like, oh, it's so beautiful. And it's like, no, no, it's not. Um, it cuts to, after the funeral, Justin's kind of hitting on Fiona. And she's like, I literally would not if you were the last man alive kind of situation. So then Fiona starts talking to Evelyn about ways to bypass this will with like having to find the brother and stuff. She's like, there are a couple clauses. I think some stuff didn't technically get signed and stuff because he died the way he did. So she's looking to make a profit off of some of this. She would like a cut into the inheritance if she can help them. What I'm about to say is, uh, is wrong. It, uh, even thinking about it violates the trust your father placed in me. You see, there's uh, a codicil in his will and it stipulates that if only one of his descendants remains before the deadline runs out, then that person gets everything. House, money. I'd be willing to make that happen for you. <laughs> for a price, of course. Miss Havisham. Are you suggesting that we kill my brother? exactly did you want. I think they're gonna like try to scare Justin to death to take part of that out so they can get a bigger inheritance. So like if Justin's gone, when they find Frank, it's gonna be more money. So they start talking to Justin. They're like having food. Evelyn's just eating so much food. So then Justin, because he's so like spiritual, he's like, well, I have an idea. How about we have a seance to talk to dad and find out if Frank is dead as well. And then if Frank's dead, we don't have to waste our time. And they're like, okay, that's kind of weird, but all right. Because Justin, I think, is trying to play the same trick. I think he's, or I think he's trying to scare Evelyn. So then Evelyn will die. 
why a seance? I don't know. It just it, it is a bit silly, and it's silly that they are letting Justin like conduct the seance. Just the brothers like, oh, I got this. I can do this. So it cuts to this library scene. There's like a grandfather clock and everything, and it shows Justin prepping. So he's got like a big coat on, and he's putting up a crystal ball, and he's got like a bunch of stuff under his coat that he's gonna set up some wiring and stuff so that there's like a recording of his dad this whole like elaborate plan and then it like just like a little fast forward scene which you don't always see in tales from the crypt they're like yeah he's setting up all this but we don't have time so <laughs> they're like skim through it so it's just like fast forward to him setting everything up and then he leaves later it shows evelyn and fiona coming in evelyn's like okay he's like i don't trust him i know he's up to something let's take a look at this little so-called seance table and so they look around they pull up the crystal ball and there's like a cord to it so they follow the cord and it's like down in the wood paneling like he really tried to hide everything and they follow the cord and they find the recorder or the um tape player of like it's supposed to be the tape of like the dad being like your brother is alive if you want your money you better get your fat ass moving like it's just like a dig towards his brother Evelyn and Fiona are now trying to figure out how to declare Frank legally dead. So she's going to start the paperwork. So yeah, it's just another seance episode, another heart condition episode. Then they cut to the seance and it's Fiona and Evelyn and Justin. That's it. Like no one else they hired or anything for this. And they're doing this seance and immediately like they get a response. And instead of it being the recorder that they hear, they set up this prop of, I mean, at first it is the dad, but later it's not. So it's like, it's supposed to be the dad, but it's not. It's actually just like a dummy, but it looks like it in the dark. So they put him on like a dolly and like wheel him in somehow to play a prank on Justin. And it's supposed to be the dad. Gatekeeper of the spirit world. Permit us mortals a moment's transgression onto your plane. The gates have opened for us. This is crap. Father, those you have left behind seek counsel with you. Are you there? Yes. Father, is that you? We have looked for Frank. We cannot find him. Have you seen him? There, in the afterlife. For Christ. scares the crap out of Justin so bad that he starts having a heart attack because even though he's like half the age of his dad he apparently has that crazy of a heart condition 
So yeah, it was like a puppet or like a dummy or whatever. So it scared him. It's supposed to look like the dad. So then they put Justin's dead body up on that same dolly, just like a dolly that with the handles and stuff. And they wheel him to this crypt. So there's this crypt like outside or this morgue mortuary thing where the dad is being kept. Actually, it might have been a big wheelchair. They might have had like an old wheelchair they wheeled him in, something like that. So they go into this little crypt. Mycroft is in the coffin there. You can't see it, but like he's up on the slab thing. Like this is his, you know, where he's going to be chilling for the rest of his death. Candles lit already in there. I feel like maybe those would have gone out, but uh, there's candles lit in there. So they go in there. They wheel Justin up on the dolly. Evelyn's like all out of breath. He's like, okay, here we go. Let's pry open dad's coffin. I think they're going to just throw him in there with the dad. And they're like, okay, well, we'll make some reservations, like a hotel reservation. We'll say Justin went out of town, say that he's gone to a hotel to meet someone and just get him out of the way. So then they can start declaring Frank dead. And then Evelyn will get all the money and split it with Fiona. So Evelyn cracks open the coffin. The dad's chilling in there. And then he turns around. Evelyn turns around to put. He's like, you're going to have to help me put Justin in here. And so he goes to put Justin in and Justin's gone. And then when he looks over to Fiona, Justin's standing right there. So apparently, so Justin faked his death. This is where the tantric sex comes into play. He had been regulating his breathing through like tantric sex. So he'd like lower his heart rate and his breathing. So he just basically did that. Because what happened is he had talked to Fiona as well, cut her a better deal. So now she's like, okay, well, we'll just turn this all on Evelyn and we'll get rid of him. And Evelyn's like, what the crap? And so then Justin takes a candlestick, a really long candlestick, and stabs Evelyn in the heart. So now he's actually dead because (laughs) Justin turned. So there's the first twist, right? Justin made the first twist and Fiona's like, cool, let's get this over with. Let's try to get Evelyn in this coffin. Even though there's really not much room, so I don't know where they're going to put him. Justin's still kind of like hitting on her. But yeah, she's like, I wouldn't sleep with you if even the survival of the species depended on it, even with the title. And so as he goes to put Evelyn into the coffin, the dad pops up. Mycroft is alive. He faked it as well. So he sits up and he starts pulling like some of the like skin flakes and stuff, which I guess was the priest in on it. Did he just chill in the coffin as they carried him out? I don't know. The dad sits up and is like, boo. And so Justin has the actual heart attack. And then Evelyn falls on top of him. And now they're both dead. And the dad is alive. And is like, ooh, twists and twists. So then now it cuts to Fiona and Mycroft are sitting there and they're having a drink in front of the fire. And they're like, thank you for helping me, uh, you know, basically just get his sons out of the way. Fiona's like, I spoke with Frank this morning and he's really looking forward to seeing you. He's willing to like give the money to Frank or at least like part of it, I guess, because of pushing him away 15 years ago. I think he does feel kind of bad for it. So they're sitting there, you know, and they're, he's like, cool, I'm looking forward to meeting him. And then he kind of, Mycroft makes this like, he makes like a, just a slight little hit on her. Like, you know, I may be old, but I am familiar with how to please a woman, you know, if I may be so bold. So they go upstairs to the four poster bed or whatever. So this is the scene from the beginning. And she's standing in front of him. She's in this dress with this bodice and she's starting to like unbutton it. And he's like, you have beautiful breasts. And she's like, thank you. The truth is I've had them done, but there's another surgery I'd like to have done. I don't remember a lot of season seven, but when they were sitting in front of the fire having the drink, it occurred to me what was going on. So she's like, I've been wanting to get this other surgery. I just needed the money. And so then she turns around and they don't show it, but she basically shows her penis (laughs) to her dad. So Fiona is Frank. Okay. Frank is a trans woman or Fiona is a trans woman. Frank's been there the whole time basically. Um, Now living as Fiona, again, implies to the whole, like, he was very sensitive and I didn't approve of him. So, you know, I disowned him. So this whole time has been a long con to get the money to pay for bottom surgery um, in her transition. 
shows her genitals to her father, who's like, oh my god. And then that's when Bob Hoskins shows up. And they shoot him in the head, like in the frontal lobe, which I guess you could do on your own. But they're trying to make it look like a suicide, so they shoot him in the head. You have beautiful breasts. Thank you. The truth is, I've had them done. In fact, there's another piece of surgery that uh, you should know about. I've been waiting, you see, for the um, money I'm about to inherit. Bob Hoskins shoots him, and he's got the murder gloves on. And when he, they lay him back on the bed, they put the gun in his hand. And then they're like, okay, cool, let's go. The cops are going to be on their way. As they're walking out, there's like this quick little scene of Bob Hoskins kind of hitting on her, but like, but him saying like he's so set in his ways that he wouldn't really hit on her. And she's like, it's never too old to change. And they laugh and they laugh, laugh, laugh as they walk out. He's right, you know. You do have a beautiful body. I wasn't so set in my way to think about having a go at you myself. Never too old to change. <laughs> And so it's just like all these twists and turns. I mean, I don't know if Bob Hoskins' character had been friends with Fiona this whole time. I mean, it's been a long plan. And thank God for that heart condition. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, they did kill the dad, like, by shooting him. And then Justin did stab Evelyn. But Justin at least had some sort of heart condition that, that went out. Um, I mean, I guess Fiona would have took care of it either way or something. But yeah, they were able to fake the funeral and everything like that. There was a little bit, like a little implication, just very slightly, unlike with the trans stuff, seeming like trans people would be deviant. It's just a little bit, which was a little bit of a downer, um, like the little bit at the end with her and Bob Hoskins. But other than that, I thought it was fine. I don't think they really like leaned on it too much. I liked the twist. I thought it was fun that it was like this long plan. It was a really packed episode. It gets to the Crib Keeper and he opens the suitcase and crawls out of the suitcase. There's just dry ice everywhere. It's pretty fun. And he's making all these puns. <laughs> Crypt Keeper, you're so punny. And the best Crypt Keeper pun is... In the end, Mycroft just didn't make the cut. Then again, neither had Frank. <laughs> I bet that's one sunrise Mycroft wishes he'd never seen. <laughs> well, kiddies, looks like I'll be staying in England for a while. I think we'll all enjoy the trip. And when we finally do go home, I'm sure we'll have lots of souvenirs. <laughs> so that's the end of Season 7, Episode 1, Fatal Caper. There is some IMDb trivia. Bob Hoskins and Natasha Richardson would later co-star in Made in Manhattan in 2002. Also, during the seance, Justin says, which I didn't mention this, but he says, Klato Verata Nictu, which, if you're an Evil Dead fan, that is a phrase from Army of Darkness in 1992, as the spell Ash is supposed to say to retrieve the Necronomicon and later to return home. 
this phrase is not just set to that movie. It's actually originally from The Day the Earth Stood Still in 1951, as well as the remake The Day the Earth Stood Still from 2008, where it was used to stop the robot Gort from destroying the Earth. So yeah, season seven, episode one, Fatal Caper. The next episode is season seven, episode two, Last Respects. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening to this episode. Season seven, we're gonna do this. This is the last season, woo! If you have any questions or comments or anything, please email me at goodeveningpod at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook or on Twitter at geckpodcast or G-E-K podcast. You can also follow Gus the Podcat at a sweet cat named Gus on Instagram. And again, thank you so much. All right, bye. The Cult-Worthy Podcast. Your host, Antonio Palacios, will guide you week by week through a bevy of cult favorites, obscure cinema, and hidden gems. Listen to us on your favorite platforms or follow us on thecultworthy.com. The Cult-Worthy Podcast.